All right. So um, as we mentioned last week, we're starting a new sermon series called Lies Christians Believe. Uh, as the title indicates, uh, this is primarily geared toward Christians. Um, so there are so many lies that we even as Christians believe in. And sometimes we don't even know. But now let me just say a quick word to those who might not be Christians and you're joining us. Uh, don't tune out. Don't, 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 don't leave the Zoom right now. Um, I think it will be just as important for you to listen to this uh, sermon series because um, I believe that these lies are not just exclusively for Christians. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes Christians have said it to you, and and you also bind to it as well. And so it will be it will be a great opportunity for you um, to find out the real truth of who Jesus is, the real truth of Christianity. And uh, and and you might have heard of these phrases, these one-liners that people throw around uh, by Christians. Uh, Christians throw around, and you might suddenly start believing in them. And so whether you're Christians or non-Christians, I hope that this series will be very helpful for you um, to, to diagnose and to service some of the lies that perhaps you bought into that you didn't even know. I, uh, <clears throat> I uh, long, I mean, this, 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 this movie came out a while ago, uh, Spider-Man 3, uh, probably one of my favorite one out of the, all the Spider-Man's movie. And uh, in this particular one, um, Spider-Man, uh, turn bad and it was because of the symbiote that he 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 somehow got onto his uh suit and if, if you ever watch this movie you you'll remember that the these black stuff was stuck on him like glue and like super glue and he started taking over his whole suit and for spider-man he was supposed to be for good he was supposed to to bring hope he was supposed to be a symbol of hope because of these black stuff it changed his mind changed his life completely instead of a symbol of hope he began a sim- become a symbol of fear yes he will still continue to to uh to fight against criminals can you save people but he was doing it out of a wrong motive it was doing it out of a wrong heart and he took over him and it influenced him he get agitated aggressive he was no longer the spider-man that he was supposed to be and if you watch that movie you know how hard it was for him to get rid of it and in fact one of the scenes was when he finally realized that he needed to get rid and pulled out that black suit off of him and he keeps snapping back it it finally got to a point he he ripped it all off and the black sticky substance left him and he was doing it at a church up in the high on the church bell. And those black sticky substance left his suit, but it dripped on to another person. Now you follow Spider-Man. That's where Venom came in. Okay. That's another sermon series talking about Spider-Man. But the whole point is this, that sometimes we have these lies that get stuck onto us. And just like Spider-Man, we can be consumed by it. It took a whole, it can take a hole in our lives. We might still live as uh, like a Christian. We may still do Christian things, but it, it gets so deep into our heart and our soul that we, that it, it, it corrupts us. It, it washes over us in such a way that, that negatively affects us. And so that, this is the reason why we want to spend some time this summer pointing out some of these lies. And just like any other lies, the best way to get rid of lies is to shine a spotlight on it, to expose it. Because if you're not exposed, but if you don't expose it, it will continue to take root into your life. 
And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to shine some light into some of the lies that we perhaps struggle with and believing that we don't even know. And the first one we're going to talk about today is this idea, this one liner that sometimes people throw around and Christians throw around is just that God just want me to be happy. That God wants just us to be happy. Isn't that what God wants? Like he gives us salvation. He wants us to be happy. Isn't the whole goal of life that God wants us to be happy? And without knowing it, this becomes the motivation for a lot of us, Christians and non-Christians, use it as an excuse to do whatever we want. Several weeks ago, we touched on the LGBTQ uh, plus uh, situation, and uh, we talked about sexual identity, how we talked about how a, a, one of the major factors for people to, um, to, to falsely think that their physical uh, sex is different from their gender and have their own, choose their own gender identity is partly because of this, that they thought that God just wants us to be happy. So we get to choose whatever that we want to choose. As a result that they feel like I have the freedom to choose whatever that gives me the most happiness. It doesn't just go to that direction. Even for people who are married, sometimes they, they decided to have a divorce and be separated because they feel like I'm entitled to happiness the way that I, I that God want me to have, be happy. So if I don't get along with this person, it doesn't matter. As long as I pursue happiness, that would be the best thing in my life. And it's not just a non-Christian thing for Christians. We use sometimes, we use this excuse, we use this lie to defend our actions. Man, God wants me to be happy. So God must not care how I live my life. If cussing, if, if using language is that inappropriate, that is damaging, that's dis- discouraging people, that put people, that doesn't matter. I, God wants me to be happy. So God surely doesn't care what kind of things I do. I can be dis- dishonoring to people. I can cheat, I can lie, because it brings me happiness, it must be okay. You see, happiness becomes a justification for us to do whatever we want. It becomes an excuse that we can get away and ignore what God said to be true. But here's the question we're going to explore today. Does God really want us to be happy? Or better yet, is happiness really the main priority that God wants for our lives. Does God really just wants us to be happy? Now, you by the tone, by my setup on the introduction to this sermon, you probably get the idea if it, that probably is not true. Otherwise, I wouldn't put it as a lie, right? Um, but one thing we want to explore is this. What does really happiness is, is about? You see, according to this world, happiness is strictly linked to circumstances. I mean, we have these sayings, right? Uh, well, you're not married, but a lot of people like to say happy wife, happy life. So if you get your wife to be really happy, then your life will be easier. Even in our country, the Declaration of Independence, right? That famous line, we have the rights to pursue what? Life, liberty, and happiness. Oh, yes, we do have the rights to pursue those things. But here's the thing what we need to realize. The happiness is never stable. I want to be clear that I'm not anti-happiness. I'm not one who against happiness. I'm, I'm all for healthy happiness. The happiness, according to our world, are strictly circumstantial. 
What I mean by that is that we feel happy if we have a certain set of criteria and circumstances. So you can fill in the blanks, right? If I have more blank money, I will be happy. If I have certain amount of degrees, some of us were talking about that yesterday, that if you have certain degrees, we will be happy. If I have, you can put a name in that blank. blank. If I have so-and-so as my boyfriend, as my girlfriend, I will be happy. You can put a job title. You can put a health condition. If I have perfect health, if I can do this, if I can do that, I will be happy. But here's the reality. Our circumstances changes all the time. And if happiness is tied into circumstance, then that means we will only, that our happiness is very temporary. I got a good experience of this, firsthand experience of this. Uh, Several weeks ago, my family went on vacation, went down to San Diego. And the last day uh, before we came back up to Los Angeles, uh, we were spending time together and it was just relaxing. I just remember, man, I don't want to leave our vacation. Is relaxing, hang out with the family. We're just doing fun stuff. I'm happy. I was very happy. But just within two and a half hours when I drove back to LA, the moment I stepped into my house, my circumstances changed. You know what I need to do? I need to unpack. We need to do laundry. We need to do the dishes. We need to get everything back. The whole week I didn't do get my work done. I need to get those work done. All of a sudden, my circumstances change. I'm no longer happy. Within just two and a half hours, my life changed. You see, happiness is so fleeting. I was happy in the morning. By the afternoon, I was not happy anymore. And here's the reality. No one lives in a stable circumstance of life. You know that. Every one of us, doesn't matter how young you are and how old you are, we always feel like we're transitioning. And with transition comes change of circumstance. We come change of circumstances. If happiness is, is strictly based on circumstances, then we will never be happy. I think of being happy is like this. Imagine being ha- happiness, chasing after happiness is like being on a boat. You're being on a boat in the ocean and you're trying to hold on to the boat and you want the boat to be calm and stable. He doesn't want, you don't want it to drift away, which is impossible because if you put a boat in the ocean, it will ju- just go ebb and flow, drift left and right to the shore and off the shore. Chasing after happiness is like being on a boat. And every time the boat flows closer to the shore, you're like, yay, so good. I'm, I, I'm so happy that I'm not drifting away but only to find out in seconds, perhaps minutes, if not hours later, you're being driven back on the other side, further away from the shore, and you will get depressed and miserable. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. You feel insecure, unsafe. And then within a minute or so later, you get driven back into the, the shore. It's like you start feeling excited again. Oh, I'm stable. I'm calm. And chasing after happiness is this swinging back and forth and back and forth. This is why. God did not intend happiness to be the final priorities of our lives. In fact, what we see later on today is that God has something better than happiness. Because God knew that happiness is never long-lasting. Happiness is not eternal. Because he knows that we will go in and out and we will fluctuate. God, what if some, God actually has something better than happiness? 
God actually desires something more than happiness for each one of us. He said, what God has for us is not happiness. What God has for us is joy. Three simple, three letters, simple word, joy. God has so much to say about joy in the scripture. In the Old Testament, the, uh, uh, the word joy was used over 88 times. In the New Testament, it's, over, it's used over 57 times. Going back to the analogy I have with the, with the boat and the ocean, if, if chasing after your happiness is just hoping that you swing close to the, uh, you drift close to the shore and, you, and then the next moment you drift far away, if happiness is that fleeting, having joy means that we can throw an anchor at the bottom of the ocean. Now, is there drifting? Oh, for sure. You have an anchor in the bottom of the ocean. Your boat is drifting back and forth still. But you have the assurance. You have the contentment. You have the confidence that your boat will never fly off in the middle of the ocean. See, happiness means that we don't know where we're going to go. We might be happy one second. We may be far away. But joy means we can have this deep-seated confidence, contentment, peace in our hearts to know that nothing will get out of control with God being in control of our lives. That we have hope that comes from trusting in God. Does God want us to be happy? Does God just want us to be happy? Not really. God has something better for us. God wants us to be joyful. God has given us joy. So today I want to just share briefly to you with you three truths about joy. Three simple truths about joy because this is promised to every single believers that God wants something more, 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 more long lasting than just fleeting happiness in this world. God wants to give you joy. God wants to be the anchor of your life so that even when there's ebbs and flows in your life, you can know for sure that you're not being thrown up in the middle of the ocean. You're not lost, that God is holding you in that moment. And that's what we get to have. Here's the first truth that we see. The first truth we see is this joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. Here's the Apostle Paul reminding the people in Galatia, the Christians in Galatia, through the Holy Spirit as they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And remember, Jesus Christ went uh, to sit in the right hand of God. And in exchange, he has given us the Holy Spirit living in us as Christians. And through the Holy Spirit, we've been giving this fruit. This fruit have nine component to it. One fruit, but nine aspects of it. And part of that aspect of the fruit is what? joy fruit in in uh new testament usually is an is a is is uh a symbol of character and what when we look at the fruit of spirit it is not what it is not what most of us sometimes think that is like we need to create these things oh i'm a christian now i need to like create love in my heart i need to create joy i need to create peace no this is a gift from god through the holy spirit in your life 
He has given us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, because the Spirit of God lives in us. We don't get to produce this on our own. It has been given to you. You did nothing to earn your faith in Jesus Christ. So in the same way, you did nothing to earn the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. It has been given to you. Because it is so important for us to understand, brothers and sisters, that you don't manufacture joy. It is a gift. It is a gift that God has given to us. And when we have the Holy Spirit in us because of our faith in Jesus, we have the joy. Now, the question is, how does this fruit express itself? How does this fruit take more control over our lives? Fill into every crooks, uh, nooks and cranny in our lives. And this is where the, what we need to understand is that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to influence, influence our lives more. I don't know if you ever, you ever uh, notice that. When you hang out with, a, uh, with the same group of people for a long time, you start picking up on each other's languages. My kids love watching uh, Dude Perfect, this YouTube uh, uh, videos. Uh, some of you guys know what it is. They do these trick shots, and, and, and it's pretty fun. Um, and they listen to, they watch it all the time. And guess what happened after a while? They start talking like those guys, those guys and Dude Perfect. And I noticed that even for, for our own family, our kids learn to talk a certain way because they spend time with us. They, they hear me and Hannah talk. They hear how we say things and they pick up on these languages. It influences them with them, them even knowing. They don't just choose and take a notebook and say, well, this, these type of words I want to learn from dad, mom and dad. But because they're exposed, they're being influenced so much by us that they start picking up on these languages. And the same thing is true. With the Holy Spirit. One of the distinctive mark of the Holy Spirit is to give us what joy. And the only way for us to experience the joy that has has already been given to us. Is that we need to live. uh, Be influenced by the Holy Spirit on a day to day basis. That we need to be, be of the same mind with the Holy Spirit. We need to be engaged in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not a force that you just grab onto. It's not like gas you fill up in your life. Holy Spirit is a person that you interact with through the word of God, through prayer. And as we do that, this is why we encourage every one of us to do devotional, to spend time. With Jesus through the Holy Spirit, that's how we experience more joy, to be reminded of the joy that we have. So this first truth is really important that we have already been given by the Holy Spirit, uh, the fruit of of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You already have it if you call yourself as followers of Christ. Now the question is, how do we experience it more? And that is through engaging with the Holy Spirit. According to scripture, being led by the Holy Spirit. Walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Engaging in his word, let the Holy Spirit reveal to you his, the truth of God. Praying to God in the spirit of God to respond to him. That's what we do, not just one a particular moment of the day, but throughout the day. And particularly when we feel like life, we're losing control of our lives, we engage the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, remind me of the truth that you have said to be true about me as a child of God. That's the first truth. Here's the second truth. Not only uh, joy is a fruit of spirit, joy is not built on circumstances, 
but on a person named Jesus. This is perhaps the biggest difference, again, between joy and happiness. Happiness is built on circumstances. Joy is built on a person named Jesus. Built on a person named Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God has given us incredible promises. I encourage you every time you open the word of God, mine it like you're mining for treasure, mining for gold nuggets. There are so many precious promises that God has given to us. One that we recite every week, that God will be with us. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. You see, these promises are the reason why we can have joy, because these promises are not built on circumstances. The promises of God are true, not because whether what we see around our world is true. The promises of God are true because Jesus is true. Jesus says it's true because Jesus is true. What he says is true. We can put our lives on these promises. That's why we can have that deep-seated um, peace in our lives. You know that everything is going to be okay. I can be joyful because I trust Jesus. No matter what I'm going through, I can have joy because I have Jesus in my life. Good days, joy. Bad days, joy. When nothing goes my way, I can have joy. When everything goes my way, joy. My joy remains because Jesus remains in us. Just like that anchor I I shared earlier with the boat in the middle, middle of the ocean. Oh, yes, there will be. Times that we go back and forth and flowing. Sometimes we feel like we're being tossed into the, the sea. Yet that anchor deep, uh, heavy anchor deep under at the bottom of the ocean. Secure us. That we will never be separated. We will never be, be thrown and get lost in the middle of the ocean. The same thing is true with Jesus. You know, Happiness depends on circumstances. Joy depends on Jesus. I remember when I was really young in Hong Kong. There, I, we lived, we were not that well to do, and we live in a really small apartment. We only have one room for the four, four of us in my immediate family. But I remember that I never, I never, I never struggled to to think that life would not be okay. Because I always believed that my parents would provide for me. I know that my parents, without a shadow of a doubt, that they do everything to protect me. They do everything. Even though we don't have a lot of toys, we don't have a big house, we live in a very limited amount of furniture. It doesn't matter. I know that at that moment, I can, I have this trust that my parents would never let anything happen to me and my sister. Now, with my parents being human being and limited human being, imperfect human being, I know that I can trust them. But now, in our, in our lives, we have someone even greater. You see, our joy is, does not depend how much we own. It does not depend how much money we have, how many toys we get to play with. It does not even depend on our, our, our life stages. Because we have someone named Jesus. But let me be clear, our joy does not depend, is not a feeling. You see, happiness is a feeling. Many of us, when we think of joy, oh, I need to feel happy. 
It might be. You might feel like I need to smile. I need to be laughing. I need I need a, a extra prep on my step. Pep on my step. You see, joy is not a feeling. Joy might be expressed through feelings. You might feel happy because you have joy, but it doesn't have to be. Joy is not just a power of, of positive thinking, having this optimistic uh, glass half full type of mentality. When people ask you, how should they? Oh, no, everything is great, even though things are not. You see, joy is not denying that there are trials and suffering. There are ebbs and flows in our lives. Joy is not being naive and thinking that, oh, life is always going to be great. There can be no pain, no suffering, no trials in my life. See, joy is not the absence of pain, but the presence of God in our lives. We can have joy is not because of what we can see on the outside. We can have joy is because who we have on the inside. Let me say it again. We can have joy not because what's going on on the outside, but we can have joy is because who we have in the inside. We have Jesus Christ in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12 highlights, shows a spotlight for us. That joy does not mean that you don't have a hard life because Jesus Christ himself had all the joy and yet he suffered. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking to Jesus is always a good idea. Our example, our, our source of faith, our source of joy. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, according to the world, we think the greatest thing that can happen, happiness means you sit at the right hand of the throne of God. You sit in a a seat of power. That's the only way for happiness. That's the only way for joy. But what the scripture tells us is this, that Jesus himself, while he was on earth, had joy because why? Is it because he, he, he's, he, everything's going well that he is the king here on earth? No, even in his suffering, the joy was set before him. But notice what happened. He had to endure the cross. He had to be crucified. He had to be shamed. He had to be flogged. He had to be made fun of. He had to be betrayed by the people whom he, that, that loved, that, whom he loved. In spite of all of that, Jesus had joy that was set before him. So we can have joy even when everything is going haywire. Because we have Jesus in us. And you might be thinking, well, of course Jesus can have joy. He's Jesus. What else can he not do? But I think this is the reason why Jesus himself reminded the disciples. Jesus reminded the disciples just because, uh, because Jesus himself had joy in him. You as my followers can also have, have joy in you because you have me in you. Toward the end of his life, in, chapter, in, in, uh, in chapter, uh, John chapter 15, we spent a whole lot of time in the beginning of our church year in last September on John chapter 15. Chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus reminded the disciples, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. And Jesus said, you know what? Guys, remember, I'm going to leave you soon. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. 
But remember that through the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be in you. And when I'm in you, my joy is going to be in you. And when you have my joy in you, when you have me in you and my joy in you, your joy will be complete. You will have it in full. And verse 11, remember it says, it started off and say, these things I've spoken to. You know what are those, these things? Those are the things that are from verse 1 to 10. All these things Jesus had, had told the disciples, verse 1 to 10. I'm telling you these things because you're going to have joy in, uh, through me. You don't have to turn there in John chapter 15, but I, I, I bet most of you guys remember. In John chapter 15, one of the most important words in those verses is what? Abide. Remain. Stay connected. You see, we can have joy. The more we can have more and more joy in our lives because Jesus has given to us, we can experience more and more joy because the more we engage with the, with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, we will have more joy when we abide in Jesus. When we connect with Jesus, just like what we said earlier, through the Holy Spirit, we get to experience more joy. We get to experience more trust in Jesus, and therefore more joy. This is the reason why I want to encourage you to hop onto this reading plan with us uh, throughout this ser- sermon series, Lies Christians Believes. Um, it is on YouTube. Um, your small group leaders will set up the group with you, and, and I want to encourage you to abide to remain in Jesus. If you're struggling to find joy today, you're down in the dumps and you don't know what's going on with your life. You feel confused. You feel, you feel like you're lost. Stop trying to change the circumstances. Come back to Jesus. Remain in Jesus. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Go back to him. You can have joy because Jesus lives in you. And so the only way to experience joy is to connect with Jesus. You feel far away from God. Jesus is in you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to speak truth over you. So I want to encourage you to join us in this reading plan. Truth over lies. As we walk through various truth, both here on Sunday, but also throughout the day as you engage in the word of God. We'll start that tomorrow. So you have plenty of time today to hop onto that plan and connect with your small leaders and get that going before tomorrow. Here's the last truth. We know that truth. Uh, the we know that joy is being given to us through the through the as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We see that joy is not about circumstances, but on but built is built on the person of Jesus. Here's the last truth: that joy is a command from Scripture. Joy is not to something that we just passively receive. It is something that we actively obey. God tells us to rejoice. To have joy. Going back to Matthew 28, 19. We're teaching one another. To obey all that I've commanded you. We're not only to know that joy has been given to us. We're not only to know that joy is not built on circumstances. But through on a person of Jesus. We are called to obey the command. To rejoice. No matter what's going on. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 says this rejoice paul speaking to the christians in philippi rejoice in the lord always again i would say rejoice just quick grammar lesson here the word rejoice here is used in a a command as a command 
It wasn't Paul's. Paul wasn't just saying, "Oh, just just when you have time, rejoice. When things work out, rejoice. When you feel like it, rejoice." No, Paul was saying, "Is command. He's he's commanding the people of God to rejoice." Not just rejoice because of the circumstances, but rejoice in what? In the Lord Jesus. Again, we go back to the person of Jesus. But not only rejoice sometimes, but rejoice when? Always. So we need to rejoice. We need to obey God by rejoicing and putting our trust in God always. It is as if the people of God will forget. Paul said, again, I will say to you, rejoice. Again, I will say to you, rejoice. The word rejoice is one of the most common theme in the whole book of Philippians. But again, the ironic thing of this is this, that Paul wrote that letter in prison. In fact, at the end of chapter 4, he said, I will rejoice even when I'm writing this to you in prison. So Jesus found joy when he was crucified, when he was shamed and betrayed. The Apostle Paul following Jesus, having Jesus in his life, also do the same thing even when he was in prison. He find joy. And the same command has been given to you and I. That we are called to rejoice. Obeying God, choosing to believe Jesus over our circumstances. Choosing to believe that the anchor at the bottom of our lives named Jesus is is so secure that even when I'm being uh, tossed back and forth, I know that I will never be, be lost. Choosing to believe by the scripture, trusting the truth of scripture that what says, what's declared over me to be true is true. And that's what it means for us to choose to obey God, to be rejoicing, even in the most excruciating circumstances. See, we're told not to, we're not told to be happy. But we're commanded to rejoice. So don't ever bind the lies of saying that, oh, God just wants us to be happy. Maybe we should change it the other way. No, God just wants us to be joyful. God just wants us to rejoice. Perhaps there are moments of happiness in our lives, and that's okay. But God wants something more for you than just being happy. God wants you to be joyful, and he commanded us to be joyful. He has given us the fruit to be joyful. He has given us himself, Jesus, to give us the basis for being joyful. And now he's commanding us to rejoice no matter what's going on in our lives. But this joy, this command can only be fulfilled when we have the real Jesus in our lives. See, we only get real joy when we have the real Jesus. You don't get to have real joy when you have a Jesus that you made up for yourself. I don't know if you like Play-Doh. Our kids love Play-Doh. And sometimes on stressful day, you just want to grab a Play-Doh and just start squeezing it, you know. And it's fun. It releases stress. But my concern a lot of times what happens is that we sometimes create a Plato Jesus. We made up a Jesus that we like. That fits our preferences. 
So we take a Plato and we just created Jesus in our own mind and our own hearts. And then we went and we expect this Plato Jesus to give us what we really want. We want a real joy, but we only have a Plato Jesus. You see, real joy only comes when we have the real Jesus Christ. The Jesus Christ that is consistent, revealed by the scripture. And there are times that real Jesus call us to give up some things in order for us to experience joy. You see, that Plato Jesus will never ask you to give up anything. Because you made that Plato Jesus. That Plato Jesus will always give you whatever that you, you want on your own and your fleshly desires. But you see, the Jesus of the Bible sometimes call us to give up things, sometimes call us to repent, sometimes call us to sacrifice things. But that same Jesus, that same Jesus of the Bible will guarantee to give us the joy, the peace, the love that we so long to have. In Colossians, there are many places to tell us who Jesus is, but Colossians chapter 1 gives us a good summary of it. Again, the Apostle Paul speaking to a different uh, group of Christians, reminding them who Jesus is. And I want to substitute the word he with Jesus so that we get a sense of who Jesus is according to the scripture. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus, all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the, uh, from the dead. And in everything, Jesus might be preeminent, meaning he might be the most supreme, the highest being. For in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Jesus, to reconcile to Jesus himself, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. If your Plato Jesus does allow you to be king over Jesus, your Plato Jesus is not the real Jesus. Jesus wanted to be king of your life, not because he is some egomaniac wanting to control and, and monitor and, and, and butt into our business. Jesus wants to be supreme because in his supremacy, when we have Jesus in his full supremacy, we get the gift of true life, true joy, true love true peace. So the question I want to ask you is this. I know you want joy. I know we all want joy, but do you have the real Jesus or you, did you just make up your own Jesus? You have a Plato Jesus that please what you want, or do you have the Bible Jesus who's the creator of all, who's preeminent, who is the king of all things? who is worthy of worship, who most importantly in verse 20 says, this high and mighty Jesus in verse 20, through him reconciled you to him. Bringing peace in your life through his own blood on the cross. 
So if you have never given your life to Jesus, you never believe that Jesus died for your sins, you never believe that his sacrifice was real, you never put your trust, surrender your life, that his blood washed away your sin, and now you get that new life, that your Jesus is not real. Because the, the Jesus of this Bible, wild as king, came down from heaven to earth. Die for sinners like me. And in exchange, he called us to give up our own lives back to him so that he can put new things, better things, eternal things into our lives. He called us to die to ourselves, but he has given us new life. He called us to give up everything we have because he wanted us to give us everything that we need. Everything that we chase after that we long for, he promised to give us better things, eternal things, godly things. That's the Jesus we believe in. 